some of the challenges that I've tripped through that you know, were really painful. But if, if I'm really being honest, Sean, I would not be the business leader that I am today without those pitfalls. So I, I kind of have to kind of remind myself that, you know, those lessons are all about the learning. Welcome back to another episode of the Making Magic Podcast. I'm Sean Jay, your host, and I'm a professional magician, speaker, and 3D designer. And this is all about inspiring conversations with the movers, the shakers, the visionaries, and the makers, the wizards behind the curtain that make the magic for you. Now, if this is your first time tuning into the show, thank you so much for doing so. It really does mean a lot to me because I put a lot of hard work into each and every one of these episodes. Whether you're listening to the sound of my voice on any one of the popular podcast apps or on YouTube, hopefully you'll decide if you're a podcast type of person that you'll uh, follow the show. Follow me along for the ride and uh, leave a healthy review of the show. And if you're here on YouTube, feel free to give this show a thumbs up, comment below, turn on the notification bell, and subscribe. You guys know what to do because I'm all about getting your creative gears turning, and that's what this show is all about. Whether you feel like you're stuck with a certain thought pattern and you want to break out of your current thought pattern, if you feel boxed in and trying to be inspired to think in new ways, well, I've got some of the world's most creative people that are sharing their process with you on this show. So I hope you decide to join me on the journey and I'll be releasing episodes like every week now. So I hope you guys are enjoying this stuff. So with all that being said, let's learn a little bit more about our next guest. All right, so today at the Making Magic podcast, we have a lovely woman. She's got the curiosity of Galileo and the tenacity of a street fighter. So that immediately caught my attention uh, to bring her onto the Making Magic podcast. But she's kind of a multifaceted businesswoman here, and I'll let you actually formally introduce yourself, Sarah. So introduce yourself, and let's uh, learn a little bit more about what you do. Well, thank you, and Sean, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm honored. I have, as you mentioned, multi-components um, to my career and to my work. I own a restaurant that's called Trasca and Company Eatery, and I'm a third generation to serve my grandmother's food, including our kind of family-invented sandwich. It's, a, it's an Italian-inspired sandwich called a panino. Um, the second thing that I do is that I, I own and operate a consulting firm. And I would say we're a management consulting firm. We're a boutique firm that really focuses on driving growth. And as a part of that, you know, innovation is a component that I speak about. I do a lot of workshops on um, because businesses are looking to challenge the status quo and they're looking to build a team of creative problem solvers. So that's what I do is help them. Um, I guess I'll also add, if it's okay, the personal side. I have five children. My husband is a fifth grade teacher, so we have a lot of fun in our house and in our world. Wow. Okay. So just the five children alone thing, that's that's like a full-time job right there. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm surprised 
that you were able to find a quiet space. And uh, I appreciate you, uh, you. You know how to work it out by this point. Oh, After yes. four, the fifth is easy, right? Yeah. I mean, truly, they're they're wonderful kids and um, they're all at school right now. So that's why the house is quiet. But <laughs> yeah, helps. my husband's an amazing partner. So I'm very Awesome. Lucky. Awesome, Sarah. Great. So now that uh, we all know a little bit more about Sarah, I'd like, I always like to open the show by asking my guests to, to share a story about the very first thing that they ever created or invented. I bring a lot of creative thought leaders onto the show, and this is all about getting your creative gears turning, much like the ones beside my head here. So as a creator of your type of things, what was the first thing that you ever created, Sarah? Well, um, I should also back up maybe because this does play into the story. I started my career at General Mills. So I had that corporate background. I mean, I worked with some amazingly intelligent folks and the processes and the systems that I learned were phenomenal. So I think that was a good foundation. I then went to the entrepreneurial side of the world and I started Traska and Company Eatery. So I was able to leverage a lot of that learning to bring my business to life and so my answer for you is that the first thing I ever created was Traska and Company Eatery. Um, I think part of the benefit of being a part of corporate America is learning about the branding, learning to leverage the insights in order to serve in an effective format. So I was able to kind of take bits and pieces, kind of melding it together. And then truly, I was born into a family where uh, the panino was, you know, kind of invented. Um, so I was able to leverage that. So I've really been proud. I mean, we've been in our community now for eight years. We are on the cusp of franchising, which is very exciting. So hopefully there will be a Traska and Company Eatery near you soon. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, so so you are of uh, Italian background. Yes. Yes. I am a mutt, just like many Americans and many folks across the world, but I do have about a quarter of me is Italian. Oh, just a quarter, because the last name is very Italian, right? It is indeed. It is. Wow. Okay. I I am half Italian, mm. half Italian. My mother's like more European near the Ukraine side. Just kind of worked out yep. this way. But uh, I was born in the U.S. and here I am, entrepreneur, just like you, and which is why I have creative thought leaders like Sarah on the show. So, your your. Uh, you're, you're in the culinary world, and what was the reason why you started that? Was it due to just your family's involvement? You know, that's an interesting uh, story, and it's it's um, it all started in Vegas, which is a little oh. bit of a scary place of starting, but I'll tell you, it's all above board. My okay. girlfriends and I took a trip out there, and we were reminiscing about our days in high school. We had all, at this point, kind of scattered to the ends of the country, um, everyone went to college in different places and ended up with careers in different parts of the country. And what my girlfriends told me was, we miss the Panino. And, you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, man, this thing is really special. Like, I miss the Panino. I crave them. They do too. I mean, we've got people in Atlanta and people in Denver and people in Portland. And they miss my family's creation. And so that was the moment where I thought, man, I've got to do something with this. I think it could be something really special. The world has not seen enough of this creation. I mean, it truly is unique. Um, and so that was kind of the impetus. Mm. So to I guess that... what they say is 
you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, in yes. this case, it didn't. <laughs> okay, so that the Vegas that was an inspiration to take it take it back home. Yep. Awesome. And uh, you you had mentioned a number of different things that you learned from it, and and all of those uh, tools that you apply now currently with uh, with the consulting firm that you're with. I I would take it right. You know, you're right. I end up uh, consulting a number of different companies in a number of different industries. And I have found that the big corporate experience plus the small startup entrepreneurial experience kind of molded together has helped me to be able to help leaders and organizations to navigate a bunch of different issues. I would say sometimes the smaller companies need help building systems and processes and documenting and you know, how do we get their roles and responsibilities outlined? How do we build a KPI system for them to measure? Some of those things. But then I find that some of the big companies need a reminder of what that entrepreneurial fire is like, what it means to pivot and test and learn and grow and, you know, really empower people again to be thinkers, not just kind of robotic doers. Got it. And with all of your experience, if you were to go back in time in a magic time machine, Sarah, and and revisit your your younger self, maybe prior to getting into the restaurant business. Are there, is there anything that you could, any advice that you would share with your younger self to prevent your future self from making those mistakes that you made earlier on? Yeah, you know, um, the things that come to mind are, you know, some of the challenges that I've tripped through that, you know, were really painful. But if, if I'm really being honest, Sean, I would not be the business leader that I am today without those pitfalls. So I, I kind of have to kind of remind myself that, you know, those lessons are all about the learnings. I mean, even, yeah. you know, the, the partnerships that I've had that have failed or the people that I have brought on board that didn't work out as I'd hoped, um, you know, there's no replacement as far as learning for failure. And I think if we can harness that and if we can bring the positivity from our failures forward, like there's a reason why I had that failure and it was because of the learning. So that optimism, that positivity, that spin. And I think that self-talk is really critical to saying, hey, I mean, ultimately what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, um, like the song says. And I believe that in all, with all my heart. So I don't know that I would change anything. Nothing. No. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. I'll give you one. I'll give you okay. one. <laughs> all right. So okay. you know that I live in Florida. My restaurant is on an, uh, like a barrier island in the, in the state of Florida, Northeast mm. Florida. And I have now been through four or five hurricanes. Well, you know what I didn't anticipate was that when we lost power and water during the hurricanes, mm. nothing's running as it should. And so I will tell you that uh, I've had a lot of kind of, you know, like grease trap issues, plumbing issues and all those things, because being on an island presents a number of issues. So maybe there's like some really small little tactical things that I would have, that I now know in order to get ahead of those issues. But those are minor. Right. In the grand scheme of things. But sure, it, living and being, having a business in Florida, weather is probably like the number one challenge just due to location. Exactly. And I'm from Minnesota, so how would I ever have known, right? I've never had to battle a hurricane before, but <laughs> now can... I know how to battle a blizzard and a hurricane. 
I was just going to say that the snow thing you've got down and the ice thing down pat, no question about that. So, uh, Sarah, what about something? So we, we talked about their restaurants and, and that's still going strong and, and coming soon to a franchise near you. So guys, keep your eyes out for that, uh, Sarah's venture. And what about something that you have recently made or created? Well, I just started Point Northeast this year, and I would say together with my business partner, we have been able to help, again, businesses, um, helping leaders to drive accountability, um, to drive alignment on their team so that everyone is paddling in the same direction and building a a system for them so that they can find the type of growth that they need. It might be productivity from their team. It might be retention of key employees. It might be that they need to go out and find new talent and build the type of, you know, executive team, leadership team that they need to really, you know, throw the gas on their fire. But um, that has been just a, a wonderful experience. My business partner has been in the consulting arena for about 40 years. So, Mm. you know, his reputation, his relationships throughout, I would say the U S and Canada have allowed us to step in and drive some pretty immediate results for our clients. So that has been really fun. Um, and we, we are not yet to the cusp where we're even marketing. Now we're really kind of building out our team so that we can serve the number of people that are knocking on our doors. So that's been pretty fun. Um, And, you know, I think kind of putting together the components of what we've, you know, quote unquote built, it all starts with the business acumen, the integrity, the interest to serve that I think is just key. So, you know, we're not doing this to make a fortune. I think we will, you know, make a good living out of it. But if we can serve people and deliver the value, um, for their businesses, I, I I don't think there's any stopping point for us. I think it's just been so fun to see how grateful people are and how much of an impact we're making. Mm. All all different ways of making an impact. One is by making sure people are well fed and well taken care That's of in right. the hospitality <laughs> sense. And another way of putting it is is in the in the business and the startup and the corporate sense where you're using your hospitality experience and nurturing the the business the startup the mm-hmm. the seat of the idea just as it was like uh just like that hospitality when you bring people in to take care of them yes that's right and i will tell you um if i may there are some similarities it doesn't matter if you are in orthodontist or a law firm or making shoes or serving a panino the premise of serving is the same and i would say you know correcting, course correcting, whether a client is upset or if someone didn't get the right food. I mean, there are some really key components that are very similar. And so, you know, it, it, it is funny how many times I hearken back to my restaurant experience in order to help a client. Again, it doesn't matter the industry, but there's some kind of bending over backwards. There's some, you know, listening and some empathy and some apologies of, holy Hannah, that didn't turn out how we intended. Let us fix this for you. Let us right the situation. And, you know, honestly, the service industry has a lot to teach folks. Um, another of the benefits of owning a restaurant is that all of my children will understand intimately what it's like to be part of a restaurant, right? And I think there's some lessons in that that they will take forth and it will help them forever. 
I think, again, some of the stories of the restaurant are things that I can pull out and use as I'm trying to explain to, you know, again, a, a law firm owner of how they can situate their business, how they can practice that good service, how they can even set up the compensation structure to align their team so that everyone's working together. It's actually pretty similar. No, I can believe that. I, I, I'm a big believer in like being eclectic and being able to learn a lot of different things from your life experiences, whether mm -hmm. like pe people ask me, you know, how I get inspired to do what I do. And it's not just all about studying things related to magic or performance art. There's other things that I can get inspired from that we can get inspired from. Like if you, if you see a movie, you know, you might be inspired, but something about something that the character said or did, or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's going to another, another type of industry for a while and then learning things mm -hmm. from there that you can say, oh, you know, that's really useful here as well. And then there's the universal truths, which is basically what you're, you're saying. You can, the restaurant industry has a lot of universal hard truths that I think it, mm -hmm. would, it would teach people because uh, certainly not easy, not one of the easiest businesses to go into. I, I'm friends with a number of different restaurant owners and eh, man, it's, you got to be a special kind of person to do that. <laughs> Yes, I think that's the the street fighter which you which you talked about in my intro. You know, I think there's a hustle to this industry, to the yes. restaurant industry that oh, is yeah. um you know, some people love it and some people hate it, and I'm one of those that loves it. I mean, I I would say, you know, I I don't sit still well. I don't rest easily and <laughs> I like the hustle. I like the idea of being able to, you know, constantly think of things or drive the business forward or serve in a way that maybe someone else didn't think of like, Hey, can, you know, during COVID, can we bring, you can't come to us. Can we bring it to you? <laughs> you know, and I know a number of businesses did that. Um, I'm certainly not the only one, but it was one of the reasons that we were able to survive is just kind of, you know, leveraging that creative problem solving mm. in a moment of panic. So anyway. Oh yeah. All, all really great points made. And, uh, considering the fact that you are constantly in motion and and wanting wanting to always improve, are there any uh, are there any skills, Sarah, that 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 you're recently like looking forward to uh, acquiring that can help you do these things better, like in the upcoming year? Yeah, well, actually, um, you know, I am writing a book, um, and I think through the process, it is helping me to distill my message. So you you talked about kind of this you know, like eclectic mix of things. And I would say it's hard to describe my path in a succinct format, right? Yeah. So it's a little bit of, well, I've dabbled over here. I've dabbled over here. I have some learnings from here. I have some learnings and lessons from here. Now that I, that I kind of am pulling everything together, all of the consulting um, into this point Northeast, my speaking, my coaching, everything, how can I really distill the message um, and, and make it easy for people to understand where I've come from and how I can help them. And so I think, you know, I'm not a great writer. I think kind of having a, a, a publisher help me with kind of what is that message and how can I distill it mm -hmm. has been a really helpful process for me. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. I would say, um, you know, if, if I can be more effective in at inspiring people and giving them tools, I think, that's what I'm, that's what my goal is through this process. Yeah. There's really, it's the importance of clarity in, in life mm -hmm. and business is it's, it's a big, it's a big deal because anybody can 
go off and do whatever they want, but the the real magic happens when you start getting crystal clear and and yes. locking in those those places of okay, this is what I'm good at. Here's how it can be used here, and then it creates your own version of Sarah. You know, Sarah is unique because uh, because of these uh, eclectic experiences, and I would say. Uh, kind of kind of like what you mentioned earlier, due to having that hospitality restaurant industry past, you understand better and can probably empathize with people better than just straight corporate and numbers only. You kind of understand the importance of customer service, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, no, I would say the service piece, I would say the HR piece. I mean, you know, all of my corporate clients are talking about, you know, the, the, uh, the great resignation and just the revolving door of employees and yeah. minimum wage issues. And, you know, I think there's a lot going on right now. And the one of the industries that has had the most challenge is the restaurant industry. So I can feel it. I don't just know it. Does that make sense? When I'm, yeah. when I'm talking with a client or I'm working through a, with a business leader, I not only understand from a theoretical perspective what they're going through, but I know from a Gosh, I'm dealing with the exact same things. I have the exact same challenges on the business that I also own. Um, there's also a really important empathy from the, and, and I know this will sound dramatic, but you know, when I'm talking to someone who owns a business, I have a different empathy from the perspective of they've put everything on the line for their business. They not only own it, but if they have a line of credit or if they have a, a you know, a bank that is backing them, they have mm -hmm. put their personal family, their finances on the line for their business. And so there's this very, very different component when you're in corporate America and let's just say you're managing a brand or a business, you mm -hmm. do not have that survival instinct of if I fail, my family will not eat. I mean, there's just this difference in being a part of a big system and having a business that is relying on you. And I do believe that having kind of that, that dual experience allows me to explain it to the corporate people in a way that hopefully they can understand, but empathize with my smaller business clients that, you know, again, if they go bankrupt, that's it for their family. It's a pretty, pretty, again, I think it's somewhat dramatic, but it's also very true. Sharp contrast, but it is it really is true when you have yeah. no no wheels and cogs to fall back on. It's just That's right. you, your life, your business, your family, your your future, your children's future. Mm -hmm. So being involved with that and being able to to see what needs to shift in order to make things grow and better. That's that's a big deal. That's very important. And uh, you're doing a great public service there with your with your partner, I think. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Now, we talked about things that you're interested in learning about. Is there anything like any zone, any skills that you'd say that you are best at or maybe better than anyone else at? And I know you touched on, you know, the empathizing and customer service. But I guess, mm -hmm. like, let's go even more specific. Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is funny, but it, it, you know, my family and my friends knew this when I was three. And I would say, I just have an undying positivity. I just have 
optimism. I have a belief in my heart of, you know, there's nothing too big that we can't accomplish. There's nothing that we can't find the answer to. There's nothing that um, we can't solve. And so I just, I feel like that might be one of my superpowers is that I'm never willing to lay down on a topic. I am constantly seeking solutions. And so I do think that, you know, one of the one of the benefits that, you know, if a client brings me and, you know, my business partner, Michael, on board, mm-hmm. I mean, my mind is just constantly spinning. So, you know, whereas most people are at the park playing with their dog and thinking about, you know, what they're going to have for dinner. Luckily, my husband does the dinner so that I am on the par- I'm at the park thinking, all right, how are we going to drive this? How are we going to connect with that client? How are we going to fix this challenge? And I do not stop until it is fixed, truly. Um, so... That, that would be my answer. I don't know why, but again, I was just built that way. And yeah. I have, you know, and again, my friends would say, I, you know, they called me the Energizer Bunny in high school. My family would say Sarah is relentless and never gives up. I mean, it's just been a part of me since I was a little kid. <laughs> no, and that, you are in the right industry to be doing that because creative problem solving takes that. You can't just give that all a back seat. You really, really have to be on it like 24 seven and even tinkering gears spinning when you're asleep, just like same, it's same, it's same thing with me. Oftentimes I'll have a problem in my mind. And then before, before I go to sleep, it's really on my mind. And then as, as you know, I'm sure you know that when you go to sleep, your subconscious is busy working on that while you're sleeping and dreaming and doing all the things that most people think is unimportant, but it actually is really important. Mm Mm-hmm. It's great. And if you ever have a problem, Sean, I hope you'll reach out to me because I would be happy to help you work through it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll be sure to keep that in mind. Now, what about what about something, because we all go through our ups and downs, and I know with the restaurant industry, you probably experienced more than this than, than most. I always ask my guests like what their biggest DIY fail ever is, like something that they were working on that just kind of blew up in their face and it was just so close. And then it just just exploded and it just happened. Can't avoid it. So, you know, it's funny. This just happened about six months ago. Um, Our restaurant, so Traska in our community, was asked to be a part of a, I would say, kind of like a gated community. It's a little bit more of like an active um, senior community. And they said, we really want you to come in and take over our kitchen. We want you to be like the food service operation. And so... You know, for about a year, it it ended six months ago. So about 18 months ago, they approached me with this. And I thought, all right, well, let's look into it. So we really got together and really brainstormed and came up with what I thought was a perfect solution. We were on the goal line, ready to sign the deal, get it done, do everything. And the last thing that we thought we would do is start to announce it to the community. Let's start to drum up some excitement. Mm-hmm. Well, we ended up getting a lot of feedback and some of the feedback was, why can't we just have a vending machine? Uh, why can't we have the golden corral? Um, why can't, and so I guess, you know, it, and I should share with you that my business model is that we serve my family's food. Everything is made from scratch. Our dough is from scratch. Our sauce is from scratch. Our dressings are from scratch. Our soups are from scratch. So our quality is so important to me. Our service is so important to me. And so when I started getting this feedback that was extraordinarily contrary to what 
our values are, because um, a vending machine and a buffet, you know, a kind of a, a lower cost buffet, like there is great reasons for those things, but that is not me. And so that was the moment of like, oh my word, I have gone in the wrong spot. So we actually just kind of said, okay, well, we will part as friends and we wish each other luck and there was no hard feelings, but that was not a good fit. So that was uh, a good learning lesson. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that's really not that bad the way it turned out. It, it's yeah. nice that you were able to, to see that it wasn't a good fit because a mistake a lot of people make is they just want to hang in there and try to make it fit, even though it's not a good fit. Generally that never works out that well because each side has different expectations. Each side uh, yeah, it's it's like you, you can't – if somebody just wants the cheapest whatever possible, it's pretty difficult to convince them otherwise because they're they're not valuing all of those other things that you and I know are of value. And right. um, yeah, what don't waste your time with people that won't appreciate your value. True. Very true. <laughs> What what about what about something that you were working on creating and it was just an accidental amazing success because I have a lot of people on the show that tinker with ideas and then sometimes you're you're working on something and then it just goes uh, this isn't going to be anything and whoa that was really successful I need to keep that and then you've been doing it that way ever since yeah well we. Um, we had a really big success. Again, this was one of the reasons we made it through COVID, although we're not doing it right now. So I will say, um, you know, whereas most ideas, you want to keep it going. I'll, I'll tell you the, the background. At the very beginning of COVID, we, um, you know, people couldn't come to us. We, we didn't know much about the virus. We didn't know if it was airborne. We didn't know if it was sitting on countertops and those sorts of things. And as we learned more, you know, we... Yes varied our business model but for a while it was like nope we can't serve people can't come to us i have a good friend who is a doctor at the mayo clinic here in my community and he had said you know we are working hours you know around the clock just crazy hours to try to support the community get set up for serving people as they get sick and you know folks are dropping off homemade muffins and homemade cookies because they are trying to support us and bring us food but again at this point nobody knew how this virus was really transmitted so right. they would have to say thank you so much you know glenda for bringing me these muffins but they would have to throw them in the garbage because they didn't know if they were safe food safe yeah. and so what he said was what we need is food from restaurants because you know the food safety so what we did, um, we built a program where people from the community could donate online through our restaurant. We would take their money and we would turn it in, 100% of it, to food that we would bring to hospitals, um, first responders like the fire halls and all of the, the sheriff's offices in our community. And we were able to actually feed the people who were supporting our community. And so then I had the, the money coming in to, to pay for my team. So they didn't lose any hours. We had, you know, we were bringing in food. So our suppliers still had a good system. So we were able to help them and we were able to help folks in the community. So we probably had donations that stretched into the, I mean, I would say it was almost $75,000 and we turned it right into food. All of it, food and labor, all of it. So, I mean, it really was a substantial, substantial way for us to keep our business afloat, keep our team alive, 
and then help the community. Now, we're not doing it anymore because I don't know that it's necessarily as appropriate as it was then, but um, I do credit that program with kind of one of the reasons, especially in those first few months, that we were able to stay alive. Mm. Yeah, that's, that is a perfect example of creative problem solving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just right. it came from, again, kind of that connection with a colleague or a friend in my community who said, here's the problem. We keep getting in muffins. We can't use them, but we would love to have great food. So good brainstorming, good connection to have of, you know, something we could do to help. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed, too, what I, from what I know about the restaurant industry, there's, there's such a massive amount of waste with, with leftover food. I've seen the most amazing food that has been delivered to homeless people. And it just blows my mind, like how many, how much gets thrown out or, or what is perceived as isn't good anymore. And I guess there's, I'm not a restaurant owner myself, but I guess there's a, you know, a certain percentage and a certain standard of things uh, that things have to fall under before you serve them or decide not to. But it's just like, it's just amazing how much gets wasted. It, it just blows my mind. So that's a nice story, an example of, of taking these muffins that you don't know what to do with and then transforming it through creative problem solving into something that people can appreciate and as a value. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Now, Sarah, also, I was thinking just about who you are and just your, you know, you are, you are a mom of five and that to me, like, first of all, being a mom of five and juggling all that you do is, is uh, astonishing. Uh, number one, because my, my mom always told me, because I'm an only child, she said, I just had one and that was enough for me. That was a full-time job. That was just so much work. So obviously you and your husband, you, you split up a lot of tasks, but having five kids, I think also can be a great, like if, if you can manage that successfully, <laughs> then just think, you know, and then managing everything else, it gives you a different perspective because each one of these businesses or projects is like one of your children. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's true. I would say, you know, there's a lot of, again, good skills to be learned with, you know, the balancing act, the, um, you know, I think one of the things that is the most important to me is being mindful enough that I am present in the moment for whatever it is that I am doing, right? When I am yes. helping a child with their homework or I am attending to a, hopefully it's a small minor scrape or whatever wound, that I am focused on that. And the same is true of a client or a speech that I'm giving or a podcast interview. I mean, I really and truly try to stay very focused and very mindful about the task at hand so that I'm giving it my all. Um, and, you know, that that's a, that's a skill that I've had to learn and cultivate. Um, actually, when I was at General Mills, I took a course called Cultivating Leadership Through Mindfulness. And I do believe it's a skill that, you know, we can practice. We can kind of learn how to do it and, and become better at it all the time. It's kind of a journey, and I, I never pretend that I'm perfect at it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, having five kids, you know, there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of conflicting requests and suggestions and, oh, I've got to work about or worry about the carpool tonight for their, you know, activity. And I've got to think about, you know, who needs to be picked up where and did they get their book report in and did they get their, you know, permission slip signed for their field trip? Whatever it is, there's a lot going on. But 
First balance, second mindfulness, and then third is just having a good partner. My husband is incredible, and I think, um, you know, he he and I have atypical kind of split on the responsibilities from the perspective of what was traditional. I think more and more, you know, couples today are finding that there really is no norm. You just kind of throw it all on the table and people take what they want and you divide it up in any way you can. Um, my husband does all of the grocery shopping, all of the cooking. He's amazing. And um, when I'm traveling, he does everything. So it just is that kind of give and take. Um, it's worked for us. Mm. And then focus too was the last thing. Probably one of the more important things is is you know mindfulness and all of these things are great, but focus right when you have five different names calling you at the same time, it's like deciding. I think you mentioned prioritizing, but yeah, prioritizing like what's the what's the most important thing here? What's the most important problem to solve first? Then we can go down the line. I think that that alone, just through having children, is uh, a very useful skill in in business because as entrepreneurs oftentimes we get lots of different lots of different wild and crazy problems thrown our way and we don't even know where to start what to focus on yeah i would agree i think you know i have a million ideas and prioritizing them making sure that they're not distracting me from the task at hand I mean, that, that probably will be a constant battle my whole life. I get, you know, I get kind of harebrained ideas or I'm super excited about something. I hear about something new and I want to try it or, and I think there is a kind of, you know, kind of, um, again, I'll use the term mindfulness. Like what mm -hmm. is the priority in the moment? Do I need to work through what I've already started or direct my attention elsewhere? So the same applies with my family. You know, is it, is it, uh, is, is it critical enough that I, uh, break out of a meeting because someone is actually injured and needs my attention? Or is it something like, okay, they're fighting and they can wait until I'm done? Um, you know, all of those just different kind of balls in the air and making sure that I'm attending to the one that needs me the most. Okay. Now, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a, a lot said, but it, no, it was, all, it was all good. It all makes sense to me. And I hope it made sense to uh, my viewers and listeners all good things to to be mindful and aware of just mm -hmm. the fact of mindfulness <laughs> now is there sarah is there a something that just caused the the light the magic light bulb to go off in your head when you realized that you were you were good at creating these things like the restaurant i mean i know you said that you've always been a person that can't sit still you like to be working on a number of different things but when did you realize that that was, that was like your forte, building something, nurturing it onto the next? Yeah. Well, I would say that after COVID and the fact that I kind of looked back and said, you know, we didn't just survive, we thrived. We actually are better now coming out of COVID than we were going in. And that's a pretty powerful statement. I would say... Um, yeah. you know, I, I think the team, I mean, it's not just me. I mean, I, I truly, I, I, um, just have an incredible team. And so getting through it, getting to be kind of airtight after COVID, I reflected on, wow, like now our system is pretty clear to me. I think it could be replicated. 
Um, I actually had the franchising company come to me. They sought us out and said, we really think this has merit. Hmm. And so again, that was just kind of reinforcement of, yeah, this is, this is a pretty, this is a pretty unique product and a pretty unique way to serve. And I don't know that there's a lot of kind of fast casual out there anymore that are truly kind of artisan, handcrafted, everything's made from scratch, from family recipes. I think that's a little bit of kind of a bygone era. So, you know, I'm really focused on making sure that this continues to uphold my family's standards and the legacy that I am really proud to protect. Mm. And who specifically did you gain inspiration from? Was it mostly family or did you have any like business coaches along the way or anything, any life experience that just got you going? But specifically who, if there's people? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial kind of place. Um, The restaurants were my grandparents, then my parents and my aunts and uncles. And, you know, so I would say... I have had that entrepreneurial kind of energy since I was a child. Um, From there, I would say I've had a number of leaders that have taught me really good kind of, you know, ways to be, um, how to care for your team, how to lead effectively. But I've also really been inspired, Sean, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but I've really been impacted by the leaders I've had that have been not a good experience. I think it is the place where you learn, oh, wow, I do not want to do that. Or, you know, they Mm -hmm. had lots of things to say, but never walked their talk. And so, you know, I I don't mean to ever call anyone out, but I, I truly believe that I am a better leader and a better person and a better entrepreneur because I have had a number of folks upon the spectrum of, good leaders and bad leaders. And I've been able to see, um, you know, the impact of both. So anyway, and, and I don't pretend to do everything right. Please don't get me wrong in that respect. I mean, everyone, in my opinion, is human and making errors all the time. And hopefully I'm humble enough to, to know that forever. But I do believe that um, I have been equally inspired by both. I will tell you, I came across my current business partner about two years ago, and we both kind of get teary-eyed when we talk about this. Um, He is 77. Uh, I would say he is, you know, kind of in the last phase of his career, and I am, you know, still going strong, and we are soulmates in terms of this business partnership. I mean, he and I have this drive to serve that, I've never found anyone that has been such a good fit for me. We can play off of each other. We bring magic to our clients. I mean, we we truly can surround a situation with different angles and different thoughts and come at it, you know, in this cohesive format where we are really serving, really solving problems, really kind of helping them through anything they need to get through. So that has been one of the biggest moments in my career is finding him and then partnering with him. I hope we have another 30 years together, who knows, but, um, we really are having a lot of fun and focused on the moment. So. Excellent. Excellent. No, that, that, that sounds like you're, you're in the right space. You're matched up with the right person. You're, you've got the, uh, a team and, and speaking of which, uh, being a, being in the restaurant business, you've had to learn how to create teams. I think Mm -hmm. something that would be valuable just to touch on really quick is, the importance of finding a great team and and how 
just like a general summary of how do you, what do you look for to create a great team, a, a team that can create and transform? Mm -hmm. So when I'll start with kind of the individuals that I bring on, I always am interested in people who are passionate and I don't yeah. care if they're passionate about surfing or cats or whatever. You know, it's great if they're passionate about food when they're working in the restaurant industry, but I'm looking for people that have a heartbeat. They are energized. They want to do something and they want to think. They don't want to act like robots. They want to come and they want to create. They want to say, gosh, why is that over there? Why wouldn't it go over there? Or what if we did this? What if we served in a different way? I don't care what it is, but that's the type of energy, passion, enthusiasm that I'm looking for. Um, you know, I don't, I don't stray very far from the Nordstrom mentality in hiring, which is I'm not looking to teach you all the, you know, kind of foundational elements of serving. Your parents taught you those components. And it's about the humility and the hard work and the ethics. And, you know, if, if your parents taught you those, then I can teach you the rest of the things. So those are the things of as far as who I'm looking to bring into my organization. From there, creating a team, I would say, you know, there's, there's a number of components. Um, the communication that we put forth. I leverage a, a system called 90 to kind of build kind of our um, working on the business and some of working in the business. I, I really and truly, I, I kind of take from a lot of business principles and a lot of operating systems that have been out there for a long time. E-Myth, if you've ever read that book, is just tremendous. I recommend it to everyone. Gerber. As well as, yeah. Yeah. As well as Traction by Gina Wickman. So if we can build the right type of team with a common vision and we can align everyone in the right roles and responsibilities, we can do anything. We can, you know, combat any competition. We can solve all the problems. I mean, we really will be humming and it's not like it's going to stay the same. We got to make modifications and change and be open to that. But the other thing that I would say that I found from the restaurant is that the compensation matters, right? Like we have to set up an incentive program that really reinforces the right behavior. And so if yep. you've ever, you know, you said you have folks in the restaurant industry, but I'll just kind of paint the picture of the typical restaurant. In a typical restaurant, you've got a front of the house and a back of the house that are pointing fingers at each other and, oh, the, you know, onions were on the salad and they said no, and that's your fault. And well, you didn't type it in right. And well, you should have noticed this when you took it out. I mean, it's, it's really awful, right? So instead of that, I tried to create a system that has everyone working together. So first of all, they all get cross-trained. So they're all working in both the front of house and back of house. Um, they all have a shared, I, I'm going to use the term compensation. It's their tip pool. So we have one tip pool. They all have the same hourly rates. And then the tips are added on top of their wages. And so we collect the money and we pay it out on a fair share basis. So if you, Sean, work 5% of the hours in that payroll period, you get 5% of the tips. The you know gentleman who works 7% gets 7%. So everyone gets an hourly rate, plus they get their percentage of the tips. And so it's pooling everyone. So we're working together. Our service is united. We want the, you know, the guest, the, the final product to be as perfect as possible. And that means that the person that's taking the phone call or the order is making sure that the kitchen knows what's 
you know, what needs to be done. And they're making sure, hey, don't forget that one doesn't have onions and that one does. And then we're fully servicing as a team. So that's just one example um, as far as building a team. You know, I use that analogy quite often, actually, because, mm-hmm. and I, again, I'll just use law firms as an example because I just happen to support a number of law firms. Um, you know, sometimes the attorney is incented differently than the paralegal, and sometimes the pre-litigation team is incented differently than the litigation team. It's just disjointed sometimes. Sometimes it makes sense, but sometimes it does not, and we need to unify them and compensate them to work as a unit. Mm. So hopefully that makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense. Ed, again, it's going from from broad to specific. You're slowly dis- distilling everything down. So now it's this right on the line. And this is the system and this is what you follow. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's right. Who, Sarah, do you look up to in the creative transformation space that you're in? specifically? Wow. You know, there are a number of folks that are kind of actively building innovation into um, their cultures. I think, you know, I I find it to be very um, kind of cutting edge when I come across an an organization. It might be, uh, you know, a multinational um, insurance company or a it might be an automotive manufacturer or, you know, a, a CPG company. And they have kind of bucked the trends and they're kind of doing it inside. They're creating this little niche of innovation that can serve in a new way. So, you know, I try to kind of stay aligned with those folks because I see what their challenges are in terms of selling in innovation and influencing their teams. And Mm -hmm. so their pain points become the things that I really try to kind of stay attuned to and fix and help them through. So I I would say kind of, you know, in general, it's the people who are, you know, trying to solve the challenges within an organization. And it might be an engineering feat. It might be leveraging technology or robotics in a new way. It might be bringing automation to the forefront. It's um, every industry has its challenges, but the people who are tasked with driving growth, driving that innovation forward, they are showing me where are the are the pain points. So I look to them. Okay. And off the top of your head, do you do you have any specific names of people in, that you could refer to? No, probably not specific names. I mean, I work with a number of different clients and I work with yeah. a number of different leaders. Um, I, I think of one that um, I just worked with him on a series of six kind of uh, weekly challenges for his team. And helping his team to practice this type of behavior, helping, you know, working through how do we insert something into our innovation cycle that diminishes the time from prototype to launch? Or how do we come up with ideas and sell them in in a more effective way? And so actually we took we took a 72 step process down to three. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it's so fun for me to know that. You know, these are the folks on the front lines trying to build solutions for their consumers, for their clients, but also battling all this corporate red tape. And so if I can help them to kind of bust through those, you know, kind of moments of red tape because I have fresh eyes and, you know, we can come in and offer 
ideas of the way that other industries are doing it or other clients. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I saw someone doing this in the travel space and I know you're in shoes, but what if you did it this way? Those are the people that, you know, are really open to and building great change within their organizations. Mm. So, so t- being open to seeing other spaces and then, and then perhaps getting inspired to, to change their systems based on other systems that they see, maybe in totally yeah. s- apparently unrelated spaces, but can be oh. useful for the ones that they're in. Yes, it might be a disparate, you know, type of business. It might be an organization that's like far across the world that's doing something. And if they can borrow some of that and solve their challenges by leveraging ideas that they're seeing out in the world, I mean, it truly can become a difference maker. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Justin Miller, mentioned to me that uh, creativity is just the act of discovering what's already there. You know, it's it's all it's almost like a deep discovery of either what's already there or, or just piecing it together, piecing together, mm-hmm. like, like you said, things that you find and then making almost like a recipe, making your own concoction, your own creation. That's alchemy. That's transformation. And that's how you that's get your right. own little spin on what you're yeah. making. It, it is funny. I mean, I've had leaders in the past call it, you know, the thief and doctor approach where you might borrow from somewhere else and then you doctor it up to fit your situation. Um, you know, some people would say, you know, it's kind of like borrowing and applying. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that we can leverage things that are working out there in the world, and we don't have to recreate the wheel. We don't have to. In fact, you know, there's a really good um, example, and it has a funny name, I know, but it's um, an association in Texas, and they're called Pumps and Pipes. And it is, I'm, yeah, it's it's, um, aerospace engineers, that get together with cardiologists. And if you can think about it, these engineers and these cardiologists are pumping liquid through pipes and they have valves and they have sludge and they're trying to fix very similar situations, but in two very distinct industries. And so these leaders, these great minds come together and they help each other work through situations and problems you know, and, and really kind of sharing information. So if you have a chance to look it up, I think it's pumpsandpipes.org. Fantastic example of cross-functional, cross-industry sharing in order to help save lives and help make the world a better place. It's truly spectacular. I love it. I, that, that I really, really like. So check that out, guys. Pumps and Pipes. Uh, yeah, the human body is a mechanical thing. So I'm sure a mechanical engineer would have a few things to say about that that could be helpful and inspiring to doctors and medical Mm -hmm. professionals. Last two questions for you, Sarah. You had mentioned a few books. Um, The E-Myth, was it Michael Gerber is his name? That's right. Yeah, Michael Gerber. Okay, good job, Sean. You're doing good. And uh, (laughs) what were a couple other, um, what what resources would you recommend besides the the E-Myth by Michael Gerber? You threw out a couple, but I want to make sure we get them specifically for our listeners. Absolutely, Sean. And again, I love these books. I recommend them to pretty much anybody that I come across. So E-Myth by Michael Gerber, Traction by Gino Wickman, which is a phenomenal book. Um, You know, uh, there's a little publisher. I'm looking back to my left here because I have all my business books. Um, There's a little independent publisher out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and they're called Zingerman's. And they have written a series of business books. How do we manage more effectively? How do we manage ourselves more effectively? 
um, how to build better open book finance policies. So it's a series. It's not just one book, but again, it's called Zingerman's Press. And I, again, I've read all of them. I leveraged them. I truly respect the place that they're coming from. And by the way, they're a restaurant. So it's it's near and dear to my heart. They're my food mecca. Um, they're truly special. Uh, the other one that I was going to mention is uh, Start With Why by Simon Simic. And I would say I'm a really kind of purpose-driven person. I would say kind of having those values, understanding them. What is our kick off the sheets re reason every morning, right? What is the reason that we want to go forth in the world and do what we're doing? And so I do feel like that's a very, very powerful place to start. So I love that book as well. Mm. Okay. I hope you guys were listening and taking notes. I believe that was four or maybe five titles that I heard there. All good. All good. Some that I haven't heard of. So thank you for that. Good. Yes. And uh, lastly, Sarah, where can my viewers and listeners find out more about the legend that is Sarah, mm. Sarah, Sarah Braska? Well, thank you, Sean. Um, I think if they, for the easiest kind of place, just sarahfrasca.com. Frasca, and... I'm sorry, with an F as in frasca. I misspoke. Frasca. I wanted to clarify oh, that. That's okay. No, no, don't worry. People do it all the time. The challenge is frasca was actually trademarked by a restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. Phenomenal restaurant. Five-star, Michelin-rated. Awesome. But it's not related to my family. So when I started my restaurant, I used a T instead of an F. So I'm Sarah Frasca from Traska. Everybody laughs at that. Um, but yeah, so traskaandco.com is a good okay. place to find info about the restaurant. Okay. Sarah Frasca with an F.com is a place to look for kind of my content and thought leadership and just kind of all the speaking and workshops that I do. And then pointnortheast.com is a good place for the consulting. But you'll find links to all of them from each place. <laughs> awesome. Well, now you guys know. Now you know. You know what Sarah is all about. And this has been an amazing chat, Sarah. I know you are a busy woman, so I wanted to keep it locked within your schedule. And I think we did a great job today. And uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your day to stop by the Making Magic podcast. It's my pleasure, Sean. I would say you're doing such an amazing job kind of connecting people to thinkers in the world, right? I mean, it's it's really a, an important an important thing that you're doing. And I, I appreciate, I'm honored to be a part of it. And I said earlier, and I just want to make sure you know that I'm here for you. If you ever have a challenge, I'd be happy to help you through it. So look for me. Remember, I'm eternally optimistic and I know that there's a way through it, no matter the challenge. Awesome. Awesome. That is a great mindset for all of us to have. And this has been an amazing uh, exploration into what you do and uh, you guys have been watching and listening to another episode of the making magic podcast if you guys are enjoying us just the sound of our voices on any one of the popular podcast apps feel free to follow the show join me for the ride because it's all about getting your creative gears turning and i think with sarah frasca today we've done just that and if you're watching on youtube feel free to like comment and subscribe you know what to do this is uh, a live taping that you might have seen but the people seeing this on youtube this is the uh, the final version but either way i hope you guys have enjoyed and uh, sarah thank you so much we'll see you guys on the next episode